Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Megan, for a start, has done a few unexpected things that weren't on the itinerary. We are now seeing a very definite separation of roles between William and Harry. William is the dutiful heir-to-be, and Harry has found a purpose. This needed to be a pared down to it, and I think she's done it brilliantly. Hi there, and welcome to New Idea Royals. It's the only podcast that reveals what really goes on behind palace doors. I'm Zoe Burrell, and today we will be talking about how the Sussexes have reinvented themselves on tour, how Meghan has changed tradition, and why Princess Beatrice's wedding will make history. Joining us today to share her amazing knowledge is royal expert and commentator Angela Mollard. Hi, Zoe. Hi, Ange. How are you doing? I'm good. Great. Well, it's been action-packed for the Sussexes on tour, hasn't it? Hasn't it just? They, I can't believe how much they're doing. They say, I think it's because they've also split up and gone their separate ways. Um, it just feels like it's it's sort of double action. Uh, in Africa, they've been, well, Megan for a start has done a few unexpected things that we that weren't on the itinerary, which I think is really interesting. She made a really heartfelt trip to the tribute for a 19-year-old student who was the victim of gender-based violence in South Africa. The student was uh, raped and then murdered and she and Megan had met her mum earlier in the week. And then quite without anyone knowing anything, she went and tied a yellow ribbon on the tribute to this young uh, student. And um, and then no, you know, no photos there, to, photographers there to capture it. It was just I put on her that. Instagram. She was wearing jeans and a little um, cotton top. And it was just, I think what's really interesting about that is that that was not a trip that was any fanfare or anything that she wanted publicized broadly. She just took that into her own hands and the story moved her. She cares very much about the safety and health of women and children in Africa. And, and this was something that she clearly felt was important. The other thing I really liked was her Skype message message to the um, yes, commu- community group. Gorgeous. Yeah, so <laughs> it reminded me of um, actually when when Charles and Diana first got together and the interest was so great for Diana and Charles would walk along one side of the um, of the meet and greets and he would shake hands and, and he would later talk about how visibly disappointed and <laughs> audibly disappointed um, so many of the uh, well wishes were that they hadn't got Diana on <laughs> yeah. their side. And I thought, and, and that actually caused a, a lot of splintering in their relationship at the time. I love the way that Harry and Meghan have taken another approach, which is she can't be there, but they've come up with an ingenious way of her being there. So he's actually there in his own right, and he's um, talking with these young women at this at this college uh, where, they, where it focuses on education and empowerment. But because that's such a great cause for Meghan, it's something that she's championed for, for many decades before she met Harry. You know, she just beams in there. <laughs> she says that Archie's having a snooze, a little nap, and she talked to these girls and they put on this dance and she's um, (sighs) singing and dancing away with them as is Harry. I like the unified approach that this couple are taking to it, that they're 
working solutions and that's the great thing about mm. technology you can find new ways of of sort of broadcasting yourself obviously she didn't want to go with it to those regions that all that travel for for baby archie would have made it impossible but they've found really um, ingenious methods of 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 making sure that they're still connected while while he's away um, i think i loved too in that moment as well didn't harry even say Oh, I know there's someone you'd all rather see. see yes, he did. He was really <laughs> yeah. honest about it as well. Yeah. And then when she came on the line, she said, oh, oh, is there a delay? And and he said, no, 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 you're, you're all great. Keep going. <laughs> it was a real generosity of spirit, which certainly wasn't there with Charles and Diana when, when Diana became the favourite. I think this is a really, this is growing ups, you know. This is the difference between a 19-year-old marrying a 32-year-old and, you know, two two people in their 30s getting married. They've both got this maturity to, to work together to make sure that, you know, that Harry isn't feeling like it doesn't feel like oh you know he's the second fiddle now <laughs> um i think this it's a really great approach and i think it's also very interesting that um as a couple they're very unified in the causes that they support but um, individually, there's there's areas that are very strong on. So, for instance, Harry's been visiting um, the, the Queen's Canopy, which is an international charity that looks at reforestation. He's got his own charity, Centre Bali, which is with um, children and, and people with HIV. Um, he went, because of his military background, to uh, lay a wreath at the Memorial of Guardsman Matthew Talbot, um, who was killed while uh, on an anti-poaching mission. Uh, Harry's going to a health centre. He's talked, you know, wrote his piece for The Telegraph, and we're going to talk about that, uh, about the environment and sustainability. And he also, which I thought was very moving, he returned to the Halo Trust where his mother had obviously spent time in 1997 and highlighted the landmine issue in Angola. And particularly... um, heartening was when he met with the young woman that had been photographed sitting on Diana's knee who'd had her um, leg amputated and he met with her and you know I just thought that was a a very charming and he had a heart connection to the charity there the the orthopedic center for helping the the people that are hurt by landmines has just been named in honor of his mother and yet he made it his own as well so yeah I think there's a real cohesiveness in both their approach to it but also room for them to be individuals. Yes, I agree with you there. Mm. And I know you mentioned Harry's piece for the newspaper. What did he say? So P- Harry wrote a piece for the Telegraph uh, in London newspaper. It was a really passionate essay and it talked about his history with Africa and and how he felt about that nation and the environmental concerns that he's witnessed around the world and what he sees as needing urgent and immediate attention. He talks about... Uh, you know, meeting with experts on the matter and the insights that he felt. And he said, conservation fails unless you put people at the heart of the solution. And for far too long, that hasn't been the case. I have no problem in admitting that we are all part of the problem in some way, but a lot of us simply aren't aware of the damage that's being caused. Um, So he talked about the immediate consequences of continuing to ignore environmental and conservation issues. He said about humans and animals coexisting. He talked about a personal plan um, for solving it or at least starting to solve the the crisis. And that's a sort of a tourism uh, partnership where he says that communities need to be equal financial partners through mentorship so that they can see the investment flow back into their families, providing jobs, healthcare and future. This is a real sort of grassroots approach rather than sort of bombarding with some solutions. It's about creating solutions on the on the ground. And then he also talked about waste and the, the very important concept of making sure that nothing does go to waste and that we uh, if we if we let things to go to waste, we're basically insulting nature. And then he said that it's fundamental to 
our survival that we must overcome greed, apathy and selfishness if we're to make real progress. Look, I think what's really interesting about this speech is that we are now seeing a very definite separation of roles between William and Harry. William is the dutiful heir to be and Harry has found a purpose which aligns with what he believes and but also works really well with Megan's history in, in, in studying international relations and globalism. So they work very well together and I think there's a synchronicity between them. But I also think that in having these this deep purpose, it will sustain Harry as he goes forward. The trouble with being a royal is if your job every day is to just shake hands with numerous different dignitaries. It can become very, very boring. It has to be underpinned by something meaningful and something that sustains. And I think that Harry has now found that, is learning about it, feels deeply about it. I mean, he did talk last week about something to a student in South Africa about sometimes not being able to sleep at night because he feels so despairing about the situation. But I think there's hope in a lot of his messaging. And and I think that if that purpose underpins his future, you know, he's talked about mental health issues in the in the past, and we know that that having a purpose and and having something that re- resonates with with your belief system and your values, and having a vision for the future, really does help in managing that. So I think he's, you know, I think he's on a great path, and I think. How much has he managed to do? All the people he's met with on this tour is extraordinary. Yeah, I think you can really see that he and Megan are so passionate about everything Mm. on this tour. Mm. And it's interesting because there has been some talk that they've sort of restored their public image. Very much so, Zoe. That's exactly the case. Uh, And look, it's been very cleverly planned. I, I can see a lot of damage limitation experts uh, working on this one. I think Sarah Latham, their new press uh, secretary who worked for the Clintons, has been pivotal in in this trip. Although a lot of the talk has been that it's Megan that's driven it as well. So the message in this trip is that it's very much focused on what the work they're doing, their, their Instagram, the, the article. It's away from the shaking hands, the fashion, the jewellery, those sorts of things. So, for instance, Megan's clothes that she we- she's wearing, they're very uh, bland in their colour range. We're seeing navies, we're seeing sort of dirty greens, we're seeing clothes that she's <laughs> worn before. Um, when she does uh, what she honoured the the artisans in M- Malawi by wearing a very um, affordable dress by them, the rest of the time it's been things we've seen before, muted colours, uh, low-cost items, uh, she's left her engagement ring at home that was yes, considered too blingy that's and too lots of talk. Though, yes. hasn't it? Everyone's commenting on oh, that. Oh, look, I think, it, <laughs> and it's a deliberate move that it's far too ostentatious to wear into communities where there's been tremendous hardship. And, and she's replaced it with a very fine, you know, two hundred dollar gold um, band. And I think that's that's very sensible. I think it's important. After the criticism about the jet, um, the, the private jets that they took, about the cost of renovating Frogmore Cottage, they needed to come into this tour very much message-based, uh, very much about the work that they're doing rather than the sort of the celebrity elements that exist on the uh, at the centre and sometimes the outskirts of their life. So, for instance, Megan had just been to New York. She'd had her baby shower. They were all glossy, glitzy events with lots of money spent, private jets, um, big gifts. This needed to be a pared down to it, and I think she's done it brilliantly. Hasn't she just? Mm. Yeah, and she's looked gorgeous everywhere she's gone. (laughs) That's the thing I would say. What's different about this tour is that typically uh, on a royal tour, the palace would release details of what the the royal member of the royal family was wearing. So you'd get a 
unless not necessarily the price of something, but what it was um, and who the designer was. That's not been on this trip. This is at Megan's instigation. She didn't want to release details of uh, her outfits. She felt that they detracted, particularly I think she's had that first experience in Australia and New Zealand where we're all clamouring to see what she wore each day. She hasn't done it this time. So and And the choices have been... I think she's been very, very clever and I'm sure she's got great advice on it as well. Yes, I agree with you there, but she definitely has broken a few traditions on this tour, hasn't she? She has, and I and I like the impromptu nature of it. Look, in the past, they've they've taken her. We're not going to tell you when you're going to see Prince Archie. We're not going to tell you the godparents. We're not going to tell you what happens at the birth. We're not going to tell you this or that. What I think we're starting to learn to understand it. I think there's a there's there's a happy medium here. Is that the public do want to see them? They do want the details. They do want to see Archie. But for Meghan and Harry, that needs to be on their own terms. And I think that this has worked successfully in bringing Archie out to see Desmond Tutu, I think was a great move. I think we will see him again. I think this tour particularly has shown that they that there can be an alignment between the public interest and their personal interests. And that's by using things like their social media to um, – give us information about what they're doing, some, particularly when those things are impromptu. And yeah, to, to sort of own the culture of the tour, which they've done. Yeah, it's been an absolutely fantastic tour for them. Mm. But as much as I want to talk about it all day, <laughs> we have to move on to another piece of exciting royal news. Princess Beatrice's engagement. I know, this came sooner than I was expecting. <laughs> I, I thought they'd be spend a bit more time together, but very exciting. I thought what was particularly lovely about it was that uh, Princess Eugenie took the pictures of the two of them. Yes, um, they were beautiful photos. They were lovely, although there's been mm. some criticism, Zoe. <laughs> so, oh God, I, people... You know, look, I am a royal commentator, so I'm across a lot of royal things, and even I didn't pick that apparently Beatrice had copied Meghan Markle's engagement photo. So I went and looked at both these photos. Obviously, Beatrice in her gorgeous Zimmerman dress, which we like because it's an Australian designer, <laughs> um, and she, the picture is of her. There's actually several of them, and Eduardo, her her fiancé, is, is there, and they're face-to-face, and the ring is... Um, on his chest and and people made the comparison with that black and white photo that Meghan and Harry released on their engagement which is kind of similar but look when you're trying to show that you're a couple show a close-up of the ring have your hand in it make sure that your manicure is <laughs> looking nice there's not that many options for how to get a good picture so the fact that Beatrice's sister usually may have copied but I really don't think she did it's just that this is you know engagement photo 101 <laughs> people are making criticisms left right and center anyway congratulations to Beatrice I think that's very lovely news apparently they're very very happy uh he proposed to her while they're in Italy for the weekend and the wedding is expected to be next year. Oh, I know. It's so exciting. Another royal wedding coming up. But speaking of Italy, she wants to get married there, doesn't she? Well, apparently she does want to get married there, but she can't because the Queen won't travel to Italy. And obviously she would want the Queen at her of wedding. Course. So uh, I think she wanted to, you know, Eduardo's from Italy. She'd like to respect his heritage. So I imagine that it will be at St. George's Chapel, which has been very busy of late, obviously, <laughs> with, with the weddings of, of various royals, Gabriella Windsor and Eugenie and, of course, Meghan and Harry. So there'll be another wedding. Uh, I'm, I'm sort of pleased that she's getting married in, in England. Look, she's apparently slightly worried that there'll be comparisons with Meghan's wedding. There'll be comparisons with Eugenie's. I think you can't worry about that. You just have to get on and, and have your own wedding and do what you want. I mean, 
Eduardo is a very wealthy man, so I, I don't think there'll be any expense speared. He's a property developer and comes from uh, – he's the son of a count. So, you know, there's plenty of money there. Uh, but, I, yeah, it be interesting to see what sort of look she goes for. I also think that the – there's been a lot to consider with the the York family of late. Obviously, we've had Prince Andrew, who actually is um, currently in Australia for his uh, one of his charities. There's all the uh, shenanigans surrounding him and Jeffrey Epstein connections and underage sex allegations. Um, I, I'm very happy that Beatrice hasn't had to put her, you know, heart desires on hold while she's had to uh, step around the family business. It has been tricky for them. I think she and and Eugenie have um, navigated the the issues with their parents particularly well. They're obviously very close as sisters. And I think it's really interesting that Eugenie has, you know, quite a strong Instagram following and profile and it, Beatrice has nothing at all. And hence the engagement was put out by Beatrice <laughs> on behalf yes, of her sister. Of I think it's a really telling. It, what, what does it say about Beatrice that she's possibly a lot shyer than her sister and that she, you know, she wants a, a more private life anyway? She looked Blissfully happy, didn't she? Absolutely beautiful. Mm. And the wedding, though, is going to make history in more ways than one, isn't it? That's right. So one thing that's happening is that there's been a change in the law in England. If you get married in a church, uh, typically uh, on the marriage certificate, it just used to be that the groom's father and the bride's father were were signatories on the marriage certificate. And that's now changed. And so the mothers are also now signatories. So that means that Eduardo's mother and, of course, Sarah, the former Duchess of York, she will also be a signatory on the, uh, oh. on the marriage certificate. Certificate. But the other thing that I really like is that Beatrice will be the first royal to be a stepmother when she marries, yes. which is really interesting. So Eduardo has a son, a two-year-old son called Christopher, nicknamed Wolfie, from a prior uh, relationship. He was actually engaged to uh, an architect in London. She's actually come out and, and wished the couple well, Beatrice and her ex well. So it sounds like there's a, you know, a harmonious uh, relationship in the background there that that if Beatrice is going to be a stepmother, that the woman that is the mother of 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 Eduardo's young son is is very open to her being in their lives, and I think that's really important. When it's a two year old, um, you know, she's going to be in his life for a long time, and be interesting to see. Like I love the way that we're seeing. You know, we've seen a mixed race. Uh, addition to the royal family. We've had a divorcee. We've now had multiple remarriages. We now have a stepmother. I mean, they're just reflecting real life. And as they adapt, while still having that sort of um, majesty and allure, I think they become even more relevant. Yes, I totally agree with you. And I'm just hoping we get to see his son with George and Charlotte in the wedding party. I know. That'd be cute, wouldn't it? Actually, I didn't think about that. Yeah, two-year-old. That all work nice. And then Louis might be old enough now, don't oh, you think? Oh, of course. Yeah, because he'll be two, won't he, by the time that, well, hopefully by the time that wedding comes. Oh, Zoe, I like your plan. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, though, that brings us to the end of the podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Zoe. And thank you to everyone for listening. For more on the Royals, please go to newidea.com.au or our Facebook page, New Idea Royals. And of course, don't forget to pick up a copy of New Idea Royals Monthly on sale now. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.